1: Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is all about helping people create more meaningful and purposeful lives and equipping leaders inside organizations to cultivate meaning and purpose that elicits passion, inspired contribution, innovation, and persevering performance. I talk with my guests to draw on their expertise and share my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. Before we get into the program, let me give a shout out to our sponsor, Rent with Right to buy.com this real estate service offers a new way to homeownership and allows you to purchase a home when you may not be entirely ready it's a great option if your credit is not in the best of shape or if you are in transition such as divorce downsizing or relocating and unsure about the new area or are checking out a new opportunity to see if it aligns with your purpose each week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something you can immediately use in your life or work. And if I can do anything to help you along your journey, go to my website at EliseCortez.com and use the contact me feature to message me. Let's open a conversation and explore what's going on for you and how I might be able to help. Whether you want to learn more about how to develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning infused culture in your organization, you want to see about joining a catchfire online inspiration, accountability, or mastermind community to nurture your own passion and purpose or you'd like me to come to speak for your company or conference. At any rate, I'm glad we're connected, and thanks for listening. Now, on to this week's program. With us today is Jenna Cooper-Heller. She is the Director of Programs for United Against Human Trafficking. We'll be talking about the problem of human trafficking in the world and what she and her organization are doing to address it. She joins us today from Houston, Texas. Jenna, welcome to Working On Purpose.
2: Hello. It's so great to be on the show. I'm so excited.
1: Yes, I'm so happy to have you. And I want to tell our listeners how this conversation came to be. Um, mm-hmm. I was out speaking for the the Texas Network of Youth Services Conference and in, in I guess it was August in Austin, mm-hmm. and you were in my audience. And when you and I got to speaking and then... Later on, you gave me your card and I looked at it and I thought, Oh my gosh. And I just, it hit me like a ton of bricks, Jenna, that human trafficking really essentially, and we'll get to a definition here in just a second, is exactly something that prevents people from living their purpose. And I thought, we have got to showcase you in the work that you're doing because we've got to, we've got to stop this. And so thank you for being on the show and sharing what you're up to.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, thank you for being at that conference. I'm just really excited that we were able to be connected and, um, you know, we get to talk about human trafficking and and really spread that awareness and, and talk about the issue.
1: Yeah, so let's start with what we actually mean by human trafficking, the atrocious problem of human trafficking, and get an actual definition, because I I don't know that I necessarily could articulate it the way that you do on your website, but you say on the site, human trafficking is a modern-day slavery, and victims are subject to force, fraud, or coercion for the purposes of forced labor and or sexual exploitation, Wow. And so, you know, I really am very heartened that your organization is is all about stopping this practice. And so Mm -hmm. first, just let me let you comment on just the the, the gravity of, of the problem.
2: Absolutely. You know, I think that um, it's really common for individuals, and I'm definitely guilty of this before I started doing this work, is to think of trafficking as, you know, that movie Taken, where this is happening overseas, that someone is being tied to a bed and forced to engage in a commercial sex act. And that's not really what we're seeing. You know, we have U.S. citizens, we have foreign nationals who are being trafficked, but it's that that force, that fraud, and that coercion that really, um, you know, creates this psychological manipulation that traffickers are so good at doing. Um, And I think that, you know, that force is what we, we, tend to think of that physical manipulation, but, you know, trafficking in the way that people get into this can really look like false uh, romantic relationships and and false job offers or debt bondage, Um, and then that coercion, that psychological manipulation. So this is a really huge issue that has so many different facets to it, and it gets so complicated. Um, So I'm going to do my very best to make sure that we can really have a conversation that really simplifies so that everyone can really walk away after listening to this um, having a really uh, a better understanding of what we're really talking about when we talk about human trafficking.
1: Got it. Well, let's next do the numbers, if you will. I was shocked when I looked at your website and see that you report on your website, just for me, the profundity of this global problem. Mm-hmm. You report that t- 24.9 million people are victims of forced labor or sexually 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 use, I guess, mm-hmm. and 313,000 victims in Texas, 80, 87, 59 reported traffic cases in the U.S. And so I just, when I looked at those numbers, I was honestly... Blown back by that, Jenna
2: yeah and it's those are just like a fraction you know this crime is so um, it's so hidden and these are just estimates because really finding exactly how many people are being trafficked is just a really really difficult task and so when we look at the number globally that 24.9 million um, you know this this is talking about labor trafficking and sex trafficking this is talking about people who are working in restaurants and agriculture and Hotels and domestic work. This is including people who are being forced to work in brothels and cantinas and strip clubs and massage parlors. You know, we see that a lot popping up in Houston now and across the country. Uh, But really, This also is talking about not just females and young girls who are being exploited for sex. This is um, such a large issue that, um, you know, really affects so many individuals. And then in Texas, we had UT Austin Back in 2016 that we're really trying to understand and quantify how many people here in Texas alone are actually being, um, you know, exposed to this crime. And so what they did is they really looked at labor trafficking and then they looked at minor sex trafficking, and that's where that 313,000 individuals, that's where that number came from. And, um, you know, just like the global number, they found that there was more labor trafficking cases, which is also another misconception. This is not just a sex crime, but labor trafficking is a far more prevalent form of human trafficking. However, it is so, um, it's even more of a hidden crime than sex trafficking is and really hard for law enforcement to investigate. And then they say that there's only like less than one percent of individuals who are in a trafficking situation that actually get identified and connected to services.
1: Oh my gosh, that's just that just heavies my heart. Mm-hmm. Um now, I don't I have no idea if this is true, then you'd be a good person to ask this question. But I was having lunch with a colleague on I think it was Tuesday and mentioned something about you coming on the show. and he he said that Houston is the large number one largest city in the United States, Dallas is the the second largest city in terms of highest rates of trafficking. Is that true?
2: So when we look at Texas, that is true. Um, That's definitely because Houston is the um, largest city here. Um, But we, Texas is in the top five of the most, um, you know, the highest number of trafficking um, cases, uh, along with California, New York, Ohio, and Florida. And I hate like, I hate to rank things because it makes it seem it's only happening in those places. But the reality is, is that this is happening in every single state in, in the country. And even if you don't hear about it, it it's happening. Um, unfortunately, Houston is known as an intense jurisdiction and, and this hub for trafficking. And, and that's for a few different reasons. A, we're one of the largest cities in the country. So, of course, as you have an influx of individuals living in a place the chances of this crime happening just increase. We also have an extremely diverse population. I think we've surpassed New York and and we are the most diverse community. So it's really easy for people to be brought from other cities and other countries and really blend in. We also have a lot of international airports and seaports. And then we have the I-10 corridor that cuts across the entire country um, and it cuts through Houston. Making transportation really easy for traffickers to bounce their victims around.
1: Wow, that just really gives me a whole new level of access to what this problem is. And mm-hmm. and next then, what I wanna understand is who's involved in the pro- in the problem. So I wanna I wanna better understand who or what kind of a person or a party is doing the trafficking. And I'm sure there are various kinds of parties, but who
2: are mm-hmm. they? Yeah, this is a really good question, because there is not one person that we can pinpoint and say, yes, they are a trafficker, because this looks so different. We have familial trafficking, where traffickers are a parent. You know, we had a case where there was a mother who was trafficking her five-year-old daughter to pay off a $200 drug debt. Then we had a case um, that it was uh, a student trafficking her fellow classmate who had learning disabilities, uh, and the reason why this young woman, like this young girl, um, she knew how to do this is because she was dating an older man who was trying to do this to her. So she flipped the script. We also see, um, you know, gangs becoming more involved in trafficking because they realize that. When you traffic a person, you don't ever lose your product as opposed to, say, drug trafficking, where that's a one-time exchange so that these individuals, they're just selling their product repeatedly. And the profit, you know, it's estimated that uh, human trafficking brings in $150 billion a year. Wow. Wow. That's huge. And so it's really hard to kind of pinpoint who does this, but we do know that there are populations that are extremely vulnerable to trafficking, like to become trafficked. So, um, you know, those who have past trauma, those who are immigrant and refugees, they might not necessarily know their rights when, they're, when they come to the states. There's a lot of individuals who come here with different visas but still get exploited. Um, youth who have runaway or who are homeless, uh, those who have mental health concerns, and then system involvement. Both youth and adults are heavily targeted um, and also those who are seeking love and, you know, affection. So there's, you know, such a, lo- a large spectrum of who can be the traffickers, um, but they're really great at finding uh, vulnerabilities in people, finding an easy way to control and manipulate the situation.
1: Wow. Um, you know, I got to tell you, for just speaking on a personal level, I got a whole mm-hmm. new access because I'm I'm divorced for three and a half years. And of course, I, mm-hmm. I date. Online dating, I'm telling you, there are definitely predators out there. And now I, I, I certainly and I knew I've recognized a few of them along the way, and didn't fall prey to them. But, but it's when you talk about you know, people finding looking for love and the past trauma and all the vulnerability piece. It's and it, mm-hmm. I will tell you, I will say, Jenna, some of these people they are. I look at that, their approach, and they're it's like written from a book, it's taken from a playbook. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this is this is this is a fully thought out thing.
2: Absolutely. I think, in my opinion, the internet is one of. The most terrifying places out there, um, you know, especially just any like young people, anyone who, who uses these different platforms can really fall victim to traffickers because they know they know what they're doing. We have a lot of cases where we see um, traffickers using these really um um, popular social media apps like Snapchat and Facebook and Instagram um, and then all the other ones that just keep on popping up like Kik and um, even like Tinder and things like Yellow are just really um terrifying places is because you have individuals who are trying to connect you know both youth and adults who are on these and using these platforms and you know when you use a a platform you know there's that that level of autonomy and that level of vulnerability and it's so easy for traffickers to just pull out information that you don't think is necessarily a bad thing to share uh, but they are so great at manipulating the situation and using it to their advantage yes a a perfect example is we had this young um this young girl who just shared that she was you know fighting with her parents again like not a, a, a not such like you know um vulnerable information to share, but the trafficker was able to take that and spin that and really then building her up and saying the things that she wanted to hear like, oh, you're such a grown up, your parents are treating you like a child, and, and really use that as the way to get that in and to build that relationship.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. It, this is so helpful, I think, for our, our listeners to understand just, you know, the, the depth of the problem and how insidious mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. You've said a little bit about how people find the victims, especially online in the vulnerability piece. Um, I don't know if you want to say more about that. But I'd also like to know how long if you could say victims typically end up in this kind of slavery?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, really great question. So yeah, the way yeah. that that victims are found, you know, traffickers uh, prey on the vulnerabilities. So they go into schools, they go into homeless shelters, they'll wait outside um, the jails, you know, again, really understanding how to utilize and manipulate people's vulnerabilities to their advantage. Um, And then in terms of how long people are um, trafficked for or in this cycle, it really varies. So we see that with labor Trafficking. Um, there's less of a cycle than, say, sex trafficking, um, where sex trafficking is really similar to the domestic violence. Um, that that um, that cycle of that power and control wheel of, you know, the trafficker will, you know, abuse the victim in various ways, but then shower them with love and attention and affection, and then once the you know, the victim wants to get out, then the trafficker will then repeat that cycle. And that's why we see a lot of the times, even when law enforcement uh, helps remove someone from a trafficking situation, we see that victims actually run back to their traffickers. And it takes a few times through this cycle for that, then the victim to really find the strength and really understand the gravity of the situation and then, you know, want to seek help and, and get help. Um, and that's, you know, where, you know, we come in or our coalition members come in so that we can help connect them to whatever stage that they might be at and really help them through this really you know, difficult situation.
1: Wow, Jenna, such important work you and your your team are doing there. Let's grab our first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We are on the air with Jenna Cooper Heller, Director of Programs for United Against Human Trafficking. She joins us today from Houston, Texas. We've been talking about the the the, the depth and breadth of the problem of human trafficking. After the break, we're gonna get into her organization solution and how their organization came to be. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.alisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose.
0: This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E at EliseCortez.com.
1: Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Jenna Cooper-Heller, Director of Programs for United Against Human Trafficking, which exists to ensure no human life is for sale by ending human trafficking through awareness, education, and outreach. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Jenna, for this next part of the conversation, I did want to talk about your organization and how it came to be. Uh, I did just mention the the mission of the organization, um, and I, I love that your vision is for all people to experience freedom and live beyond bondage to others in a world that is intolerant of buyers and sellers of human beings. Talk about an organization working on purpose on a really big problem, Jenna. It's just so great to feature on on, on the show.
2: Yeah, it's really great to be here because, you know, we really – We really are so driven by our mission, and we really are driven even by our name. You know, this issue is so large, so we really wanted to make sure that we can fill the gaps, we can find the gaps, and then fill the gaps and really unite the community.
1: Well, it's, it's a, it's phenomenal. You know, for me, I get really excited when I meet people who are really doing something with their one precious life to really make a difference. And they're giving it their all. I mean, that to me is so much of what I want to showcase. And I stand for. And so again, when I met Joe, I was like, Oh, yeah, you can run from me, Jenna, but you cannot hide, I will find you. Let's talk. <laughs> so, so let's talk a little bit about how this organization came to be. I mean, it's just amazing. I think you all began back in 2007. If I read it right on on your on your website, but share with us how it started and some of the key events that got you to where you are today.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So it actually started in two (laughs) thousand and five in a garage. Yeah, it was two really powerful women who heard about human trafficking and wanted to do something about it. You know, when they started, um, unfortunately, human trafficking has only been a federal crime since 2000. I know that is very shocking and completely ridiculous. But um, so there was a lot of work being done. And so when they heard about it, they wanted to do something about it. So then it was actually in 2007 that we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Organization. And then also in the same year, we launched our very first media campaign. So we had billboards um, and posters across the entire city of Houston, really just trying to start that conversation, really just trying to raise the awareness uh, in the community because there was such a lack of uh, information about human trafficking out there. And so over the years, we've really focused um, primarily on that education and awareness side. So training frontline professionals, engaging the community. And then it wasn't until um, 2016 that we really started to evolve and uh, start including ways in which that we as an organization can proactively go out in the community and try to identify uh, trafficked persons and connect them to services.
1: Oh my gosh, see what happens when, so oftentimes people ask me, you know, how did you discover your purpose? And I want to really find mine. And I, uh, one of the things that we, we say in this, in the space, the purpose space is that one way to discover your purpose is to, is to look for what big nasty problem in the world do you stand for solving? Mm -hmm. And I really, really appreciate that these two women saw that and were willing to do something about it because the organization that you've created is phenomenal, um, So then I want to ask, why did you join the organization and and why is the work important to you?
2: Yeah, really great question. So um, I got into this anti-trafficking you know movement because of my first year's field placement in grad school I had um, I went in with the intention of working with refugees and immigrants and resettlement and it wasn't until that placement that I actually got to provide direct services to trafficked persons. and when I was just learning about this and this is uh, like eight years ago I just could not understand understand why we were why this wasn't talked about more. you know I would I would come home from school and talk to my family and my friends and I would even talk to my fellow classmates and and you know no one really understood what I was talking about. Everyone you know had this very stereotypical image of what trafficking is and so I kind of became obsessed with this issue and, and wanting to learn more and so every school assignment, every internship, every volunteer opportunity, was really so that I can learn more about this. And, um, you know, it, it just became my, my life work. It just made sense. It, it I get excited to wake up every morning and come to work because um, I know that the work that this organization is doing, the work that's being done in the Houston community, is so invaluable. And the fact that I get to be a part of it, you know, I'm really grateful. So I continue this work, and I continue working for United Against Human Trafficking because we're um, we're able to be really creative and innovative with how we're doing this work, and we get to be that that uniting. Force in the Houston community, bringing different entities together, to really address this you know, huge issue.
1: Mm. So, Jenna, now I'm really, really getting present. So, when I when you and I met in the session that I gave there at the mm-hmm. conference. I didn't even know what you did, but you had a light about you, your eyes sparkled. And now I understand, of course, it's because you are, you're working from purpose. And I'm Mm -hmm. telling you, there's something about that is that is so irresistible in people. And so I was already attracted to your energy and, you know, your shine. Um, And now I that's, I'm sure that's what it was behind all that. So I just wanted you to, I wanted you to hear that. And I wanted to acknowledge that, that beautiful light that's coming from you that comes from working on purpose.
2: Well, thank you so much for saying this. You can't see me, but I'm, I'm smiling. (laughs) I can hear it. No, I can hear it. It's right there. And and thank you. And you know, when I, when I talk to people or when people ask me what I do, I feel like I'm that Debbie Downer in the room when I start to tell them like about the organization. Um, And they just say like, well, how do you do this work? And, And I just say, like, I can't imagine doing anything else. You know, I've been really grateful to take some really big risks in my life, and it's led me to this. And I'm a true believer that the universe has this power to help guide you and make sure that you're living your full purpose if you're willing to take those chances and really willing to push and and get outside your comfort zone and um, just follow your gut. (laughs) I completely
1: agree, Janet. That's been my path. And that's what I'm doing so much within organizations and with people, individuals, to help them do that same thing for themselves. And so I are um, completely aligned. Um, now, one more thing for you that I really want to yeah. get out here for our listeners, because, you know, you're already affecting change in, in, within your organization. But I also note that you're doing work advocating for policy change on a local, national and even international levels. Mm-hmm. Can you just say a little bit about that?
2: Yep. So when I was um, still trying to like learn more about human trafficking and what that is, I had some really great opportunities presented um, themselves. And so one was that I got to provide a recommendation and testify at the sunset hearing um, and the sunset review for the department of family and protective services. So uh, every federal department and entity actually has to go through a review to make sure that they are uh, fulfilling their goals and their objectives that they set in that department. And so what, you know, I was, I was kind of like exploring and researching at the time is how many fostered youth. Are actually running away from a foster care placement or a group home and actually ending up in a trafficking situation. So while the DFPS uh, was going through a their review, I was able to go to Austin and testify and bring that human trafficking perspective. And I was really grateful and honored that I got to do that um, because out of a hundred people in the room, um, myself and my colleague were the only two enti- the t- only two individuals that were actually bringing up the issue of human trafficking. And then the um, another thing that I was able to do on um, more like international level was uh, for two years, I was a delegate to the United Nations during the Commission on the Status of Women. So hearing about different issues that women face across the world, uh, human trafficking being one of them. And I was able to then also write recommendations as to how we can better address this. Oh, that is so awesome, Jenna. Oh my gosh, that just gives me goosebumps.
1: So the next thing I want to get to here is, and I was so impressed when I looked at your website and did a little more research on you, that you have 55 participating organizations just in the Houston area alone. And what I appreciate mm-hmm. about that is I've got a colleague um, who I met actually here on the radio show, uh, Paul Skinner, who talks about and u- using collaborative advantage as a mm-hmm. strategy for success. Well, certainly for you to combat the problem that you're dealing with, you, you're you going to need a lot of people there, an army, if you will. Um, so, how you how do you find these different participating organizations? How do you coordinate the work with them?
2: Yeah, so actually, we started off as a coalition. So we've been leading this coalition for several years at this point. Uh, so it's been, it's been this this really beautiful collaboration of different organizations who are not only doing. Human trafficking specific work, but who are who is also doing work that may intersect with human trafficking. So we have nonprofits, we have healthcare um, professionals, we have faith-based entities. We've actually had student groups represented before. Really bringing their expertise to the table and finding ways how we can work together based on those uh, level of expertise. So we, we are really purposeful. We have our fantastic coalition manager, Nate, who uh, really spearheads connecting with organizations, recruiting new organizations so that we can be as, um, as well-rounded and holistic as we possibly can. So we approach organizations or even uh, organizations get connected to us because they've heard of the work that we're doing. Uh, So we really try to ensure that we are looking at this issue from multiple perspectives. So we have um, subcommittees that uh, look at research and advocacy. We have a group dedicated to direct services. We have another committee focused on education And then the newest group that we have is actually um, gathering survivors so that they can be on the forefront and leading the conversation to ensure that all the work that the coalition is doing is survivor informed
1: so impressive it's really impressive what you're up to here and I want to I want to give you a chance to maybe share about one of those pursuing organizations but let's grab our last break if we can I'm Elise Cortez your host we've been on the air with Jenna Cooper Heller director of programs for United Against Human Trafficking us today from Houston Texas after the break we're going to hear more about their specific programs and how they work stay with us we'll be right back
3: Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, Please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This
0: is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E at EliseCortez.com.
1: Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working On Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Jenna Cooper-Heller, Director of Programs for United Against Human Trafficking, which exists to ensure no human life is for sale by ending human trafficking through awareness, education, and outreach. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Jenna, just before the, the last uh, break, we were talking about some of your your participating organizations, your partners. Mm-hmm. Is there maybe one or two that you want to showcase help us understand what they do and how you partner together?
2: Absolutely. So one of the newest um, coalition members is an organization called Elevate 61. And what they focus on is serving men who've been trafficked. And their their plan is to provide a shelter. Right now they help them with rent and connecting them to a safe place. Place to stay. Uh, so that has been a huge gap in the Houston community that this coalition member has now been able to fill. So if we, uh, or if any of the coalition members, if they identify a male, they are able to directly connect them to Elevate 61. Another would be Hawk, so the Houston Area Women's Center is another organization who's been a part of the coalition for a few years. And they've historically really focused on that domestic violence, but understanding the connection between human trafficking and domestic violence, they've been able to bring that expertise of really filling that gap and filling that understanding of how the two intersect.
1: Jenny, I so appreciate how crisp you are, giving us so much information, really teaching us a lot about this space that I know I didn't know anything about. And what I'm really getting present to is how much we really do need to be educated about it. Mm -hmm. And I know one of your programs that you focus on are educational programs in nature. Can you say a little bit about them and what they what they surface and who they serve
2: Absolutely. So we kind of do two things in education. So one, we target frontline professionals because we know that uh, trafficked persons very rarely self-identify for like a plethora of reasons. So we want to be able to train those who may be on the front line and those who may intersect with a trafficked person. And we want to provide them the skills and the knowledge that they need to effectively do that. So we work with law enforcement, with educators, healthcare providers, hospitality Staff, social service entities, literally anyone who will listen to us. We want to talk to them. <laughs> we want to educate as many people as possible. And so we talk about, you know, what are some red flags to look for? What's what are some of the questions that you can ask? Really breaking down the misconceptions of what human trafficking really is, and then making sure that they know how what steps they need to take um, to effectively respond to a trafficking situation. Who to connect them to? What are the resources in the community? And then on the flip side of that, we really wanted to connect with community members because this is such a large issue. Um, And when you hear about it, it gets a little overwhelming. So, you know, even for the listeners who are listening in, you know, there are things that you can do, you know, just being aware, uh, knowing who is in your neighborhood. We had a case where there was a woman being trafficked within a home in a gated community, a really nice gated community. And she was being trafficked. Uh, She was being forced to work over 20 hours a day Uh, taking care of the two young children not being paid and it was um, you know Concerned neighbors who responded and did something. And then on the labor trafficking side, you know, I think we all have um, an obligation to be more conscious of where we buy products. So that's kind of the intention behind our community engagement and our community education. We really want to make sure that um, every community member, every person in our community has the tools, no matter what role or profession they might that might be involved in, um, that they know what this is and they know how to respond. They know what their part is in addressing this issue.
1: Phenomenal. Phenomenal work. Um, And now I want to take it to an area near and dear to my heart, and that's the youth youth prevention work that you do. I do have Mm -hmm. a daughter of my own. But I really literally gasped when I read on your website that 55% of domestic minor victims of sex trafficking age 7 to 11 are recruited through social media apps and websites. To, To your point earlier, you know, the internet is a very, very frightening place. So how does United Against Human Trafficking educate and intervene to help youth then?
2: Uh, yeah. so just talking to them right so they don't know what they don't know and so we're able to just come in there with you know non-judgmental we're not telling them what they should or shouldn't do but more just from that empowerment approach of hey this is what's going on out there we want you to be safe here are some tools that you can use to make sure that you know as you continue to use these social media platforms because we know that They're not going to stop doing that and using that. But what are some things that we can help them uh, to ensure their safety? So is the privacy on? How do you not share too much information with individuals that you don't know? Um, And then just talking about how to stay safe in just social interactions that might not be on social media so that we can make sure that youth are not only able to protect themselves, but also help protect their peers. And mm-hmm. so we offer uh, three different programs. We have our awareness workshops. Uh, we have our prevention program that we, um, we adopt from Love 146, which is another coalition member and uh, in an international organization. They put together this really beautiful, um, holistic, uh, comprehensive five-module prevention program. So we're trained facilitators, so we're able to provide that. And then the most recent um, initiative that we started is the Resiliency Project. What we are seeing is that there are so many empowered and amazing young people that once they learned about human trafficking, they wanted to do something. They Mm -hmm. they asked, okay, so what's next? What can we do? And so we created this uh, Resiliency Project to empower the next generation of of individuals who want to be advocates in their community. So we teach them how to do that. We teach them how to organize uh, educational events for parents and for educators and for their peers. We teach them how to do um, awareness activities such as the Red Bed Sand project. And then just really help support their creativity in, in bringing awareness to their community.
1: That is brilliant and beautiful, Jenna. And one thing that's interesting is I, I've, I've had other guests on the show that talk about the importance of uh, exposing youth to um, community service of sorts helping mm-hmm. others beyond themselves and how important that is to develop their own sense of self-esteem a sense of purpose that they generally do better in life they stay away from crime they they you know they just do better when they're exposed to something like that early on in life I love it that you're giving that channel as well for these youth to be part of the solution
2: yeah absolutely and it's just been so powerful powerful to watch these young people really just take to such a large issue, um, such a messy issue, such a a gruesome issue, and really make it their own and really do what they can to elevate their voices in their community and connect with peers because peers are going to listen more to peers. So why not just provide those tools to those young people to, uh, to, to let them do that and to give them that opportunity? Opportunity to really shine
3: hmm mm-hmm.
1: one of the other things that I was really excited to hear about that you're that you're doing in your supportive services arm is you have a trauma-informed program called real talk which I understand provides an outlet for at-risk individuals and survivors to process their exploitation so 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 important for people to have a way to be able to make sense of and move on and heal from what they've been through can you tell us a little bit about about those services
2: Yeah, so we created this after, um, you know, just doing some interviews with survivors um, and then with facilities who are serving survivors and really trying to understand the gaps. You know, there's a lot of organizations who are doing amazing work in that emergency response and emergency rescue, uh, but we wanted to be able to create a, a, a program that allows us to provide more of, of that longer term, more of that empowerment, that resiliency, help them really kind of move, um, you know, forward. And so we created Real Talk. It's a 10-module program where we where we talk about really real topics that can uh, increase someone's vulnerability uh, because we know that individuals who've experienced some form of trauma have an increased risk of being trafficked. And then we know that individuals who have been trafficked are at great risk of re-victimization. So we wanted to create a program that is basically an outlet for individuals to kind of process what they've gone through um, in a really structured way. So we wanted to introduce that psychoeducational component so, talking about trauma, giving them the um, the understanding that it's not them, you know, they might have anger management now or anxiety or, um, you know, all the different things that come with trauma, but it's not that they're a bad person. It's because of what happened to them. So we try to shift that ownership, that, um, that, that victim blaming away from that person and make them understand that it's because of what they've gone through that and the trauma that now their brain is rewired. So let's talk about that. Let's give them the tools that they they need to really restructure the way that their brain is now operating because for so long they were in the survival state. So, we want to introduce things like um, the topic of trauma and healthy relationships and safety planning, but then we also want to share with them some useful coping strategies. So, we introduce things like art therapy and music therapy. And what's been the most powerful one to see is actually the power of breath. So, we introduce some yogic breathing uh, so that they have now the power to control their their body they have the power now to control the way they respond to different situations so it's really been an amazing program we've been fortunate enough to take it into uh, the jail system the juvenile um, justice system Uh, we work with youth who've been in foster care or um facilities who actually directly serve survivors of trafficking. Uh, So this program has really been able to be adopted across different populations, uh, different ages and different settings. And we actually are now starting to really focus on having male only groups. And those have been extremely powerful just to get males comfortable with talking about some of these really hard topics that they've been so um, They've been taught, and it's so ingrained in our society to, for men to not talk about these things, not talk about their feelings. But we know that men can be victims too, so we want to be able to create that outlet for them.
1: I continue as I sit here and listen to you in this conversation to be amazed at just the sheer depth and breadth of all you're up to in this organization. It's so impressive, and for you, you're giving us really great access to what it is that you're doing, so that we can understand and and be involved. And so, to that end, the last thing that I wanted to talk about that I know is part of what you what you do there is your outreach. So, mm-hmm. what does that look like, and what form does that take?
2: Absolutely. So for our outreach, we wanted to make sure that we were pushing outside of these um, boundaries of human trafficking and connect with different uh, organizations and different populations that we know intersect with human trafficking. So a lot of our outreach has been to individuals who've experienced homelessness. Uh, Those are part of the immigrant and refugee community, those with um, mental health concerns as well as substance dependency and we connect with them. We talk to them. We just go out. We go out in the streets. We go into facilities who serve these various populations and we just want to share information about human trafficking. Um, We do rapid assessments to see if people are being trafficked and then the most important thing is is we share what services are are in the community. And so if we do get a disclosure, we are able to plug that person in right to a services or whatever, you know, needs they may need met. Um, or we're able to just talk about human trafficking so that they can help their peers. They can help um, individuals who they know might be in, in a situation of trafficking.
1: Brilliant. And, and to that end, I want to make sure that anybody who's listening to this knows exactly how to find your organization. Where would you send them to go, to go looking?
2: Yes. Yeah, so our website, um, it's... And recently relaunched and updated so it has all this great information on there and you can find us at um, UAHT Uh, Or you can give us a call at 713-874-0290. We love to connect. We love to share information about human trafficking. And most importantly, we love to empower. So if you feel connected to this information and this work, we would be happy to plug you in and, and find resources for you to do that.
1: Beautiful, Jenna. So um, as, you should, as most of my listeners who've been listening for a while know, I do like to give my guests something of the last word, if you will. So you know this show is listened to from people across the globe, and it's really designed to help them more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and their life. What would you like to leave them with?
2: Yeah, so one thing I really live by is, you know, do what you love and love what you do. If you're doing something and it doesn't feel right, it's probably because you're not on your intended path. So definitely, you know, take chances, grow your network, uh, investigate some of the things that you're curious about, and, you know, really be okay with going outside your comfort zone. And then most importantly, trust your gut. You know, if it doesn't feel right, it's probably not for you. But, you know, your gut is really powerful. And once you're on your right path, you know, I think the universe has a really uh, unique and powerful way of making sure that um, they open up really great opportunities for you so yeah don't be afraid be brave
1: (laughs) beautiful way to finish jenna and again thank you for coming on to working on purpose i think you were a little bit slightly taken aback when i reached out to you saying hey why don't you come on the radio but you said yes and you just gave us a beautiful insight into this world that we need to eradicate which is human trafficking and i thank you so much for sharing your heart and soul with us
2: Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. It's, you know, been really amazing to just be connected with you and to be able to share some of the work that we're doing in Houston, um, but also hopefully encourage and inspire your listeners to really, um, you know, find their purpose.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So listeners, if you want to learn more about Jenna and the work that they're doing there at uh, United Against Human Trafficking, as she said, go to their website. It's UAHT.org. Last week, if you missed the show live, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Michelle Collins, who recently transformed herself at age 50 from a corporate sales professional to, wait for it, a comedian corporate inspirational speaker, and entrepreneur. We talked about how she arrived at the realization she should be doing something different with her life, the steps she took to make the transition, and how she draws on her incredibly difficult early life for comedic and speaking content. Next week, we'll be on the air with Meredith L- Elliott Powell talking about her work and book called Owning It, Redefining Responsibility, Stories of Power, Freedom, and Purpose. See you there. Remember that work is at least one third of our lives, so let's work on purpose.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Alice Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.